Blog Talk Radio. Presenting yourselves on this battlefield. I give you thanks. This is our army. To join it, you give homage. I give homage to Scotland. And if this is your army, why does it go? We didn't come here to fight for them. Oh! The English are too many. fighting for the king 
than there were in the field against him. And the final third, they took no side and blew with the wind and took what came. Percenters today do not claim that we represent 3% of the American people, although we might. That theory has not yet been tested. We do claim that we represent at least 3% of American gun owners, which is still a healthy number, somewhere in the neighborhood of 3 million people. History, for good or ill, is made by determined minorities. We are one such minority. So too are the current enemies of the Founders' Republic. What remains, then, is the test of will and skill to determine who will shape the future of our nation. today are gun owners who will not disarm, will not compromise, and will no longer back up at the passage of the next Gun Control Act. Three percenters today say quite explicitly that we will not obey any further circumscription of our traditional liberties and will defend ourselves if attacked. We intend to maintain our God-given natural rights to liberty and property, and that means most especially the right to keep and bear arms. Thus, we are committed to the restoration of the Founders' Republic and are willing to fight, die, and if forced by any would-be oppressor, to kill in the defense of ourselves and the Constitution that we took a vote to uphold against enemies foreign and domestic.
endanger our liberties or democratic processes. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no secret is revealed. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go, and by what route, and how fast. 
Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government what it is allowed to do. We, the people, are free. And I hope we have once again reminded people that man is not free unless government is limited. There's a clear cause and effect here that is as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. The odds are great. The odds are difficult. People have underestimated the number of people in this country that are interested in a freedom message. Just being free, free of the government oppression of us, whether it's on our personal liberties, our economic liberties, and they certainly like the uh, foreign policy of non-intervention. Joseph Gibson podcasting here, understanding the times in which we live today. A small documentary here I'm going to play here. Uh, the end of days, the countdown. You know, we were just talking about government there, how big government is and how intrusive it is. And it's all about control. It's all about power. It's all about imposing another one's will upon others. That's what it's all about. If you look at the history of the world, and look at the creation of government from the very beginning. It's not about freedom. It's about someone else telling somebody else what to do. Right? <clears throat> if you go to Nazi Germany, same thing. The Fuhrer, Russia, Stalin, communism, you know, king, dictator. Same here in America. The police department, the police. Woo. Well, who the hell are they? Who the hell are they? Ooh, congressman, ooh, you know, uh, uh, just another person, just like you. That's all, you're a human being. I can't tell you what to do. Nobody can tell you what to do, or can they? Well, they can, because they have the soldiers behind them that will make you do it. That's why they have prisons. Now, people say, well, it's a good thing, right? Can't have people out there hurting people, right? You figure it out, what I'm talking about. But there's something else out there that has a little more power and control, and that's the end. How will mankind's reign on Earth its end? Someday the human race might be just more dust in the universe. Will it be through natural disaster, global war, or something far more ominous. Our darkest nightmares coming true. A plague of infected cannibals sweeping the earth. Zombie apocalypse is frightening because theoretically it could be real. Science fiction becomes reality. If aliens wanted the earth, they'd take it. It wouldn't be like the movies. Technology runs amok. Do we really want machines that think for themselves, leading to a breakdown of all we hold dear. Within a few days, we could turn our civilization back a thousand years. As deadly predictions and modern science collide, we cannot support our population. We've planned our society into a dead end. Around the world, people are preparing. I have all of the practical preparations 
so that we can survive if we need to. You wake up, you look out of the window, the world's gone crazy. This is run for the hills stuff. Sometime in the future. 
If you told any researcher in the late 1970s that there was going to be a deadly sexually transmitted disease that was going to kill millions upon millions of people worldwide and it's going to be completely incurable, they would say that's ridiculous. HIV hit us completely blue, and that's what happens with new diseases. Diseases can emerge suddenly with no warning anywhere on the face of the earth, and we may not be ready. Could the global spread of an existing disease lead to a zombie-like pandemic? A look around the world paints a surprisingly bleak picture. Nature is full of diseases and plagues that turn people into real-life zombies. The so-called nodding disease that we see at the moment in Uganda emerged in Sudan in the 60s. Little's known about it. Uh, it turns people almost into vegetables. Uh, you get kids affected by this thing. They rock backwards and forwards. They nod their heads. It affects their... Are you looking for ways to level up your business? Now's the time to take your side hustle online. Brains. They look at times like they're near death or dead. Ultimately, it kills. But before it does that, these children can become violent. They become mindless. But the nodding disease is not alone in causing disturbing zombie-like symptoms. There is also the human variation of mad cow disease, called variant Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, or VCJD. It's caused by a mutated protein. There are new indications that VCJD can be transmitted from person to person through blood contact. On top of that, the symptoms are evolving. It causes you to go violently insane. So much so that some experts have recommended that if someone starts showing advanced signs of VCJD, you should lock them in a room until they die. Because it's 100% fatal, there's no treatment. And if that person who's violently insane attacks you, gets their blood on you or in you, then it's 100% communicable. To me, that looks a lot like what we think of as a type of zombie sickness. If the cause of a zombie-like pandemic is an infectious disease, it may be only a matter of time until a local outbreak transforms into an apocalyptic global disaster. The nightmare scenario is something airborne with a slow incubation period. Uh, somebody breathes into your face and you catch this thing, but you don't feel ill for several days. In that time, you're in public places. You're getting on a plane. This thing could be halfway around the world before you even know you're sick. And then it would have the ability to mutate to drugs, to our immunity. It may be that we are nothing more than the cattle to the virus, the harvest. If a zombie-like disease ravages the planet in our future, the world could quickly devolve into a nightmarish hellscape. Imagine a rage disease spreading like a plague throughout the world. The government and the military would step in, rounding up the population. It's panic, it's blood, it's destruction. Your civil liberties would cease to exist. You might be quarantined, you might be experimented on, you might even be killed. It would be the end of the world as we know it. If we went 10 years in a unstoppable flu that destroyed brains, created zombies,
zombies, there would be nobody there to do research. There would be nobody there. And that's frightening. If there is a zombie-like disease outbreak in our future, it could be the spark that ignites the flame of our demise. So Matt Moak, head of the Zombie Research Society, is leaving nothing to chance. To survive a zombie apocalypse, you need to worry about the basics. You need to worry about water, you need to worry about food, you need to worry about shelter, and you need to worry about security. This is a, uh, essentially a battle flashlight. It's got the stun on the end of it. It's also designed to be a bludgeon weapon, so if push comes to shove, you can actually use this in the same way you might use a baseball bat. So it's got several different uses. Weapons are an essential need in a zombie apocalypse because the reality is others will have weapons themselves. We've got a hybrid weapon, which is the uh, Gunstock War Club. What I would really want to do is aim straight for the head with this. So you come down over the top of your head and hit right on the top of your threat test. 12-gauge shotgun is a very popular zombie weapon. You just pull the trigger. Uh, the problems with the shotgun is that they're very loud, so they draw a lot of attention to yourself. The last thing you want to do in any sort of major disaster or infection outbreak is to draw attention to yourself. You don't want to use your weapons if you don't have to. In the event of a zombie apocalypse, I'd be on the roof, I'd be under the house, easy to escape, many different exits. You need to be able to survive on your own. You need the supplies, you need the strategy, you need the wherewithal to live in a world that can no longer help you in any way. Throughout human history, mankind has grappled with the mysteries of the cosmos and the possibility of intelligent life existing beyond planet Earth. We're fascinated with the idea of extraterrestrial life because the question of whether or not we're alone in the universe is arguably the biggest and most profound question we can ask ourselves. And if the answer is no, what does that mean for the future of our civilization? Also, tied in with the question of aliens is the threat. If aliens came here with hostile intent, it wouldn't be like the movies. If they wanted the Earth, they'd take it. The idea of an alien invasion has saturated popular culture for over 100 years. But on Halloween in 1938, a broadcasted radio drama performed in the style of an actual news report nearly touched off a nationwide panic. It was an Orson Welles radio play based on the classic alien invasion novel, The War of the Worlds. It caused mass panic because people thought it was real. Around the country, citizens reacted with terror. But as significant as the chaos over the War of the Worlds radio broadcast was, news of an actual alien invasion would be another matter entirely. In 24-7 media society, the internet, social networking sites, panic would spread like wildfire. If we faced an alien invasion, it would be the ultimate shock and awe. Although some still believe that Earth is the only planet that can sustain life, others insist that life elsewhere in the universe is not only possible, but probable. I think in the universe, life is more abundant than not. Places that would develop like a planet Earth 
I don't think they're that rare. There are billions of stars in our own Milky Way galaxy alone. Out of the billions, there must be other Earths out there. It would be beyond arrogant to think that in this infinite universe, it's just us. Play the numbers game. It's inconceivable that we're alone. In 2011, NASA researchers discovered that... If you're an intelligent fitness expert and you're not earning at least $40,000 a month online, watch this quick video right now. DNA molecules found on meteorites were actually created in outer space and not from Earth-borne contamination as previously believed. This discovery supports the theory that meteorite and comet impacts assisted in the origin of life on Earth. And if DNA, the blueprint of all life, can be created in the vacuum of space, is it possible that similar material has crash-landed elsewhere in the universe and helped life take root? It's the same on the other side of the universe as it is from here. DNA builds up into cells, larger cells, uh, into intelligent life, and so this is a process in the universe, and it's universal. Alien life really isn't science fiction anymore. It's science. And if intelligent alien life does exist, what does that mean for what humans and these extraterrestrials do cross paths? Is the universe fundamentally altruistic or competitive? Are civilizations going to help other civilizations? Give them technology? Give them the secret of interstellar travel? Or are they going to wipe them out? Stephen Hawking is quoted as saying that if there is intelligent life out there, we should not try and contact it. And uh, I agree with that 100%. Stephen Hawking, regarded as the most brilliant theoretical physicist since Albert Einstein, believes intelligent extraterrestrial life poses an enormous threat to humankind. He likened it to the European explorers encountering the Native Americans. And he said, this time, we'll be the Native Americans. Look at what's happened every single time. You have had a higher technology interact with a lower technology. The lower technology is raped and enslaved. What happens if they come from outer space with their superior technology? How are we going to fight back? There's an old expression, don't take a knife to a gunfight. And that's what we would be doing. Many believe that the sheer volume of reported UFO sightings in the modern era proves that alien civilizations have been observing mankind for decades. There's no smoke without fire. Even if you eliminate 99 out of 100 UFO sightings and say they're hoaxes or misidentifications, you'd be left with thousands of genuine reports. Reports of unidentified flying objects continue to surface throughout the world. Government and military personnel have also investigated the phenomenon. And some have even begun planning for an alien invasion. I spent three years researching and investigating the UFO phenomenon for the British government at the Ministry of Defense. I can tell you the whole alien invasion scenario has been planned for, has been wargamed. There is a culture of high classification and secrecy that runs through the whole relationship between government and UFOs. They know far more than they're telling the public.
Is it government policy to conceal knowledge of a real extraterrestrial threat? And if the threat is real, why would Earth, a small speck of dust in a boundless universe, be such an important target for alien invaders? Just because there's a lot of life in the universe doesn't mean that the Earth is not one of the most unique and most valuable places in this galaxy. The fact that we have water here, which is the rarest element in the entire solar system. We have a genetic diversity of races and people here, literally a DNA warehouse that is a treasure trove. You could populate millions of other planets with the different races and beings. Aliens might come here to colonize. Aliens might come here because they need us as slave labor. Or the Earth might occupy some sort of strategic position in the cosmos. Whatever the reason, if an aggressive alien force decides to invade Earth in the future, humankind be wiped off the face of the planet. If you look at the statistical likelihood of us encountering an alien invader uh, with technology just 500 years ahead of our own, it, it's ridiculous. We cannot even conceive of some of the weapons that we might face. If we can't conceive of them, we may not be able to defend against them. They could basically just see the entire planet to basically a, you know, a bright blue marble, if you will, wiping out all life on Earth as we know it. If they wanted to destroy us, no problem. We couldn't fight back. Uh, it would be death. It would be destruction. Game over. If an advanced extraterrestrial force launches a global attack on our planet in the future, humanity could be outclassed by superior weapon technology and possibly exterminated. But as we'll see, many but more immediate threat to mankind's survival is not in a galaxy far, far away. With the countdown to apocalypse stoking fears in some circles of alien invaders or exotic zombie-like diseases, others are focusing on an even more immediate threat to our day-to-day -day lives. And if this apocalypse does come to pass, we may only have ourselves to blame. Imagine how dependent we are in almost everything we do on computers. A potent cyber weapon could end civilization in the developed Western world. Everything that we have, everything that society depends upon, runs on electricity, runs on power. You take down the power, you take down society. In June of 2010, a malicious computer virus known as Stuxnet began spreading throughout the world. It was followed two years later by a related cyber espionage program called Flame. These pieces of malware have apparently been out there for quite some time. No one knew about them. These things were incredibly sophisticated. Uh, they were targeted to take down certain systems. Particularly hard hit by these programs was a series of nuclear centrifuges in Iran, vital to the uranium enrichment necessary for developing nuclear weapons. What Stuxnet did was it made the centrifuges that 
um, enrich uranium run very fast and very slow and very fast and very slow until they burned out. While no one officially admitted responsibility for this attack, few today doubt who was involved. It's been widely reported that Flame and Stuxnet were developed jointly by the U.S. and Israeli government. The Stuxnet and Flame attacks were celebrated. reflection, they raise a troubling question. Was this just the first shot in a full-fledged cyber war that could spiral beyond our control? It's not clear that once you unleash dogs of cyber, that you can always keep the dogs on your leash. While miles and oceans have long protected our shores from invasion, they provide little barrier to cyber attacks. As there's more access to these technologies, as the barriers to entry get lower, it's not clear how, how we maintain our superiority. Right now in cyber, all the advantage is with the offense. Terrorist groups could take down the air traffic control computers. You could slam aircraft into each other. You could take a nuclear power station and you could cause a meltdown. You could open the floodgates of a dam and devastate hundreds of square miles. Of, of the countryside. And some are fearful that a cyber assault on our financial infrastructure could be even more devastating. The entire economy is now what we call photonic, where all your money is not gold or silver or even Federal Reserve note paper that you have in your hand. It's all blips of light in a computer somewhere. A well-coordinated cyber attack can cripple a country in a matter of minutes. All your bank data is gone. Your money simply isn't there anymore, and pretty soon the whole fabric of society breaks down. When you say end of the world, people think it, it, it means Armageddon, but it might not happen that way. It might simply mean the end of civilization. A successful cyber attack on our infrastructure has the power to bring America to its knees. And as our enemies evolve and adapt, government scientists struggle to keep up. But a cyber attack is not the only threat to our technological civilization. An EMP creates a huge electromagnetic current that creates a tremendous power surge. And the power surge would be uh, great enough to knock out any electrical device. The main way to set off an EMP blast is with a nuclear explosion. That can be as devastating, if not more so, than the nuclear attack itself. Ever since the first detonation of a nuclear device in 1945, mankind has feared the power of the atom. But it took nearly 20 years to discover a secondary effect of a nuclear explosion, an electromagnetic pulse, or EMP. The Starfish Prime Test in 1962 really told the world what a problem this was. This was detonating a nuclear bomb 250 miles up out in space. They knocked out the power lines as far away as Hawaii. The phones went down, the power went out, the radios didn't work, there was interference, it was all coming apart. 
Starfish Prime showed that there was more going on with atomic weapons than was perhaps realized, and that the electronic pulses and the, the magnetism that they produced from a long distance could affect the power grid in a way that people hadn't really anticipated. As rogue nations and terrorist entities acquire more and more powerful weapons, many fear that a crippling EMP attack may not be far off. A lot of people take the EMP threat very seriously. The U.S. EMP Commission, they've issued several damning reports about the preparation, or rather the lack of it. Speaker Gingrich, for example, has been very public about this, as well as some members of Parliament in the U.K., that within a few days, you could essentially turn our civilization back a thousand years. A devastating EMP attack would mean the end of the electronic age. And ultimately, the components of modern civilization will topple one by one. First, you knock out all of the communications gone in an instant. Communications out, that means transportation's out. Emergency resources are out. Uh, health personnel can't find out what's going on in the next block, let alone across town. There would be civil strife of uh, catastrophic proportions. There's a very, very thin line uh, between civilization and our collapse into complete and utter barbarism. Have we become so dependent on machines and technology and comforts that if that's taken away from us, our very survival is at stake? Ordinary members of the public are terrified about this. This is run for the hills stuff. A major EMP attack would threaten the very framework of modern civilization. And in case this doomsday scenario should come to pass, preppers like Utah housewife Peggy Layton are hunkering down and making preparations. People are afraid. I'm talking to people every day and kind of getting a sense for where they're at. And people really are scared. We're going down underneath the building. This is my bunker. Anything from nuclear attack to an EMP, we could bug out here and we could use this facility. We have everything we need here. We have enough for six people. We have a lot of these five-gallon containers of water. I have all of the food to last about two or three years. Sanitation is a really big issue when you've got people in tight quarters. So I've got a couple of porta potties with everything that we need for sanitation here also dollars going to be worthless. And so I've started collecting silver. Really feel like this will be a currency that we will be able to trade and barter with. Yes, I have a bunker. Yes, I have food stored. Yes, I have silver. I have all of the practical preparations so that we can survive if we need to. Technology continues to advance in the 21st century. Many fear that the lines of science fiction and reality have already merged. Is humanity prepared for when our greatest technological creations evolve beyond our control? A robot apocalypse is almost like your children turning on you. That's the point where we've created not homo sapiens, but homo superior. That's the point where the human race is no longer at the top of the evolutionary tree. 
through technology, we are creating new threats. For ourselves. There is a chance, I think everybody agrees, that we will not survive the next hundred years. Many point to recent advances in artificial intelligence, not only as the greatest example of humanity's technological prowess, but also signs of an evolution that may be our undoing. Let's say you develop true artificial intelligence, an AI that can actually think, that can reason, that has logic. Let's just say that their prerogative is to save the Earth. Let's say they come to the conclusion that the real threat to the Earth is man. So in order to save the Earth, humanity must be destroyed. We can write code and we can create artificial intelligence systems that are beyond the reach of the human ability to control them. Artificial intelligence has already been integrated into the mainstream. Smartphones that can understand voice commands. Autonomous cars that can drive themselves. But the science of AI is being pushed beyond the realm of modern convenience and amusement. More recent approaches to artificial intelligence are mimicking what we now understand the human brain to do. Is the human brain is designed in sort of modules, and that modular AI may get us to the point where you actually have creative thinking, context, and judgment. So that may be a game changer. The ultimate moral question is going to become, do we really want machines that are smarter than us? Do we really want machines that think for themselves? Many believe that the next arena for artificial intelligence is on the battlefield as military tactics continue to integrate emerging technology. AI is scary at the best of times, but when you're dealing with military AI, it's even more scary because there's a weapon attached to it. We already have devices on ships that can engage missiles autonomously. But having machinery that can do that without a human being in the loop, offensively, that's another step. Combat drones are remotely piloted aircraft that have traditionally required a human finger on the trigger. But according to the U.S. Air Force's Unmanned Aircraft Systems Flight Plan report, by the year 2047, Advances in artificial intelligence will enable these flying robots to make attack decisions without human intervention. This is the ultimate nightmare. You have the machine deciding whether or not it's going to attack someone. And this is not science fiction. People are planning for it right now. When you have technology divorced from compassion and morality, you have a horrible danger. And without regulations, advances in weaponized AI may spiral out of control. There need to be international conversations about conventions to prohibit autonomous, offensive, lethal engagement. There should always be a human being in the decision loop. We could lose control over this one. 
And of course, AI with the power to kill is not just morally troubling, but can threaten our very survival. What happens when it malfunctions, turning on the very humanity that created it in the first place? A future where artificial intelligence holds the key to life and death decisions is not far off. But there's another terrifying vision of a robot apocalypse. One where microscopic intelligent machines destroy us from the inside out. Nanotechnology is a fancy word for microscopic physical engineering. These are minuscule, billions of a meter objects. You might call them robots, sometimes called nanobots. And they have tremendous possibilities in theory. We're going to have nanotechnology to solve uh, all sorts of illnesses and disease. We're going to inject ourselves with nanobots, and they're going to wipe out cancer cells, cure heart disease. They're going to take the clogging out of our arteries. But while some see nanotechnology as a cure for everything from disease to world hunger, others are far more wary. What if something happens to them because of the way that our bodies affect them that causes their programs to malfunction? What happens when you have this nanotechnology and it's, it's inside your body and it starts off zapping the, the, the disease cells and, and the bad stuff, but then it's zapping the good stuff too? All machines can break down. Technology can go wrong. As intelligent machines continue to develop and integrate deeper into our lives, many fear the future rise of the robots could endanger our very existence. The problem probably isn't going to be any of these things individually. It's going to be when they start happening together. And we may not know where that point is. Where so many of them are interlinked that the thing effectively becomes one superorganism. Suddenly you can't stop it. It's irreversible. And that's when you get the robot apocalypse. If technological growth continues on its... The Arthurian people, Pleiadian people, and the Syrian people came to this world... ...present course, humanity's supremacy on Earth may come to an end. But even if we are able to harness threat, our day of reckoning could still be at hand. As the countdown to apocalypse looks to the exotic terrors of the future, zombie-like pandemics, alien invasion, and modern technology run amok, there is a ticking time bomb we may be missing, a doomsday scenario that is already underway. In human history, we've gone from horse and cart to space rocket stealth fighter in just a couple of hundred years. The population has increased exponentially. At the dawn of agriculture, the population of Earth numbered approximately 5 million. It took nearly 10,000 years for that number to increase to 1 billion around the turn of the 19th century. Today, just over 200 years later, there are 7 billion people on Earth. And this relation surge was made possible by the energy that fueled an industrial revolution. Power, oil, 
gas, petroleum, everything in modern life runs on it. People don't realize just how much is essentially made from oil. It's not just your gas, it's fertilizers, pesticides, plastics, clothing. If the supply shrinks, if you take it away, everything begins to collapse. There probably isn't a product in the supermarket that doesn't have petroleum in it somewhere. Petroleum is just central to every aspect of our lives. While demand for oil is ever-increasing, many believe that the supply of this finite resource has already peaked and will soon drop off rapidly. The scary thing is that peak oil is here now. According to OPEC, the world's proven reserves are estimated to hold 1.5 trillion barrels of crude oil, while global consumption is over 85 million barrels a day and rising. More and more countries are becoming industrial nations. More and more countries are using power in ways that they've never used them before. Right now, we are withdrawing petroleum from the ground, consuming at three times the rate of it, its being discovered. In the face of this frightening mass, pressure is mounting to increase oil output and keep up with soaring demand, no matter the economic and environmental cost. Scary situation. Nine out of the 21 major oil fields are already declining in terms of production. Studies have shown that most of the easy to get to oil has already been gotten out. The oil that's left is the tough to get stuff. What will happen to life on Earth as runaway population growth consumes more and more of the available energy supply? The minute population continues to grow and production stops, whatever that surplus population is, must die. Without oil, huge swaths of the planet will fall into starvation. It's estimated that it takes 10 units of energy, mainly from petroleum, to produce one unit of food energy on your dinner plate. It just indicates that every bit of our food supply is dependent on petroleum. If you don't have gasoline, you can't get food from the farms into the stores. And so the food rots on the farms, and people, they're starving. I mean, that sort of thing multiplied a million times over is the kind of problem you have in the shortage of, of petroleum. We cannot support our present population in the long term. We don't have the energy resources. We don't have the food resources. We've planned our society into a dead end. History tells us every empire that has ever existed has fallen. Something brings their reign of power to an end. Is oil going to be what brings our civilization down? As the peak oil crisis threatens to bring on societal collapse and starvation, Peggy Layton has taken the necessary precautions to ensure her family's survival. If 
we have a gas crisis and the, the trucks stop bringing food to our local grocery stores, we are going to have to be the grocery store. But without food and water, uh, you won't last very long. So we have our short-term emergency supply. Then I ha also have a three-month supply. I have a six-month supply, a one-year supply. This is our 185-gallon water tank that we store extra water that's all purified and ready to drink. I want to show you my greenhouse. Right now we've got some plants that are started, and then just as soon as the weather breaks outside, we can get them out into the garden. You have to have a water tank in the greenhouse. And so this is an 800-gallon water tank, and it is specifically for keeping the temperature constant year-round so that it never freezes and it never overheats. We are trying to make our entire property productive, got about a quarter of an acre that we utilize for our garden area. In this small amount of space, we get enough food for about three families. I know we could be wiped out at any moment, but we have the skills to rebuild. We can grow a garden. We know what to do. And so if we had to start over, we could do it. Zombies. Aliens. Runaway technologies, peak oil. As our feet remain planted in an uncertain present, these future terrors could make our current concerns seem quaint by comparison. If we do not prepare for the dangers of what is ahead of us, what conceivably could occur in the future, then, folks, lights out, party's over. With the countdown to apocalypse ticking down, how much longer can we hope to survive? The answer to this question that has preoccupied mankind for millennia will only truly be revealed when the doomsday clock strikes midnight. All right, everybody. Joseph Gibson podcast here. Understanding the times in which we live today. There you go. Understand that one. Well, I like that virus thing there. Boy, how the heck did Hollywood know about that, didn't they? Boy, a couple of years later, next thing you know, we got the coronavirus, the flu virus. Remember, it was, wasn't cor coronavirus a flu virus when it first came out? Don't even remember most people, do you? Yeah, it was a flu virus, that's what I thought. Remember, and they were on Fox News talking about, oh, well, when the summer months come, it'll fade away, it'll go away, but we just got to get through this time. You know, remember? Remember that? Boy, I, well, should I probably should pull up some of those old videos that I recorded there at Fox News talking about it. <laughs> The flu virus. Now it's not a flu virus anymore. Now it's now it's it's it's, it's mutated. It's it's the variant. The variant's coming to get you. The variant. All these people that have died from this thing. All these deaths. I don't. You know. I mean. I just more people I know. I know more people that have died from the vaccination than the, than the Corona CV19, whatever you want to call it now. But anyway. Uh, right. Let me check the phone board here. Uh, Anybody want to talk here tonight? Six five seven three eight three zero six one six. Anybody out there got something they want to add? Talk add to the podcast here tonight. Hang on, here let me go to the boards. All right, here we go. Let's go to uh, ah, let's see here. First caller here. Oh, I recognize this number five zero nine. Go ahead there five zero nine. Hey Joe, how's it going? Hey, what's up? How you doing? How you feeling, man? I'm feeling like a million dollars. Really? Really? You feeling better? Yep. Yeah, good. 100%. Good for you. See that? You kicked. Yeah, man, good. <laughs> hey, 
Well, the same with the wife. Wasn't that bad after all, right? <laughs> no, no, it's the same with the wife. She's back to work. Um, <clears throat> this is my second go around with this bullshit, and and I'm a cigarette smoker, so you know, go figure. <laughs> yeah, right. You're supposed to be on a ventilator right now. Yeah, yeah Boy, you would think. <laughs> you would be yeah, yeah. if you went to the emergency room. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. According to them, you know, it, it's a death sentence. Everyone, everyone's gonna die. And you, and you were fucking spot on when you said, you know, last year, y'all remember when they said it? Hey, just be a little while, you know, just hang in there, you know, three yeah. to six weeks. About two years later, same bullshit <laughs> hadn't changed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And but they're locking us down though, man. If you if I turned on the news this morning at six o'clock, let me tell you, if it was one thing, you thought the world was coming to the end, you know, with this this uh, thing, you know. I mean, it was just uh, uh-huh. new plans to lock us down, everything, man. It's just insane. It's insane. Oh yeah. That's what I was wondering about that. that hey, how about the gathering there in uh, September twenty fifth? What are they going to do if they lock us down? How is that going to go? I forgot to ask that. I was going to ask that the other night on, on you guys' podcast. Well, I mean, you know, the the problem with that is is whatever somebody decides to do on their own property, it's their own business. The government cannot regulate what you do on the land that you own. Okay. But, now, but this is, now, luckily, it's in though. Texas. Right, right. Yeah. Now, luckily, it's in Texas. Now, this is something I thought of, you know, back wife we booked our plane tickets is we opted for the refundable tickets just in case the state of washington says well in order to fly you need a covid passport that way we're not out of fuck load (laughs) yeah yeah but that would make it difficult no doubt yeah man so what's up anything what's on your mind tonight anything special or well i i do got something i think is particularly interesting Anybody uh, catch that interview that Tucker Carlson did with uh, the elected president of Hungary? This is his third term, and the uh, the Democratic liberals are hailing him a dictator, even though he was duly elected three times. <laughs> really? Okay. I yes. Catch anybody that. catch Explain that? It. No, well, I didn't. Um, I did. Okay, so basically Tucker Carlson sat down with the third term. Uh, president of Hungary, and asked him, how did you solve your nation's border crisis? You know, everybody remember those images that floated around, you know, millions of uh, Middle Eastern migrants flooding into Europe? Yep. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. Right. Well, what the Hungarian president did, and this is why he got three terms, is uh, he campaigned and he told uh, the country that he was going to secure the borders. We're going to take care of our own. We're not a welfare nation. And that's what they did. They built a fence uh, with barbed wire, razor wire, electrified it. And anybody who crosses and comes to the border illegally, they immediately detain, uh, take pictures, identification, and then they escort them back to the other side of the border. Really? Wow. Yes. <laughs> now, I'm not a fan yeah, of like Ben Shapiro. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. and that's why they're attacking him, because the the Democratic Marxists here in the United States don't want you to know that it's that easy to solve your nation's border problem. It's that easy. So, well, yeah, yeah. It, is, it really is that easy, to be honest with you. And the thing of it is, you ever notice, though, anything that's really simplified or really easy, the government can never, ever conquer or, or uh, <laughs> get a hold of? You know, right, I mean, right. it's insane. It's, it's like a catch-22. It's like a common sense. And, but the government can't. It's like mm-hmm. they spend $90 on a hammer, you know, or something like that. Yeah. You know, everything they get involved with, it's just, it turns to mush. 
You know? Well, the, you put it <laughs> like you did, is they, they spend $90 on a hammer and then can't figure out what to do with the hammer on the nails. <laughs> and they need to talk, yeah, they need to do a study or a, or a research uh, project to figure it out. Yeah, and then a debate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then goes in front of the Judiciary <laughs> Committee and the appropriations <laughs> funds, and they got to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And Just that's to see who's, who's got the right technique. <laughs> and that's the breakdown of everything. Now, you announced that you may yes. be running for public office uh, yourself, actually. You know, I know you've been yes. sick and everything and whatnot. But you know, I throw this out there too. Uh, you know, what, what, uh, what, what, what uh, do you have? You decided what office you would. Uh, I forgot if you told me or if I'm allowed to say. I don't want to throw anything out there. But uh, what office it would be? Yeah, I'm going to be going for uh, city council. City council, okay. Uh, city council. Yes. So, what's the uh, duties of a city councilman? Well, um, <laughs> like I said, the, the last uh, couple of weeks I've been ill with the uh, the Delta yeah. variant. Finally over it. Um, I'm going to start doing some more homework into that, and as soon as I know, I'd love to come back on and, and talk about that, yeah. about some yeah. of the responsibilities, obligations that that would incur. I do know uh, that the the Jewish population here, along with the Marxist population, have absolutely uh, gone into a frenzy over that. They're like, oh, my God. Uh, Uh, They've even, yes, they've even uh, quoted me word for word and then put up a post uh, URL to the show of yours that I announced it on. Really? Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) Wow. I didn't know that. Wow. You have to put that in the chat or something for me or or say or text it to me. I want to check that out. That's right. You sent it to me one time or whatever that that, that, – we don't want to give them no uh, no publicity. But, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. right. We're talking about and, uh, uh, everything. Wow. Yeah, wow. and I think they're they're freaking out because I think they know with everything that's going on here uh, that if I do in fact do this, um, I've got a legitimate shot. Yeah. Well, good. Good. I'll tell you what, man. Everybody, if I got, I know I got listeners out that way. You know, I mean, man, support. I mean, you, you'll if, if you officially do it, then we got to definitely mm-hmm. hammer it. Hammer it, and yes. the best way to do it is repetition, repetition, repetition until you're you're, you're it's like you're you're in a household name in that area, you know. Absolutely, I mean, absolutely. That's how you got to do it. Yep. Now, and, did, and did you they catch that? Own all the advertising. That's right. That's right. As much as they would love to have a monopoly on it, unfortunately, uh, they don't. You know, if if I got to pay uh, for a bulk mailing list. Um, I, I will do that. You know, I, I will get uh, yeah. the uh, white pages, and I will go to Kinko's, and then I will contact the fucking post office. And guess what? Yeah. The entire county's getting something in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you I know, don't need TV. Good. Yeah, you're good at that. You're good at advertising <laughs> and marketing and stuff. You know, getting the name out right. and whatnot. You know, because you got a lot of sure. good ideas. And since I met you, you know, I'm like, wow. You know, Eddie mentioned that. And I start looking it up, and I'm like, that's a good freaking idea, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, thank some of the stuff that thank you come up with. <laughs> you know, right, like, yeah, like I... GoFundMe thing, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, for the uh, the January 6th guys. You know, just call it uh, uh, POWs, and the left will donate to it, thinking it's going towards Black Lives Matter activists. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The problem is, though, is with the GoFundMe, is GoFundMe is hard to get up and running, though. It's, it's, it is. I was looking at other uh, – uh, 
avenues there, and they got Spot Fund or something, and a couple other ones. I forgot right. off the top of my head, but there's other ones. But they make you jump through hoops, and you got to verify this and verify that, and, and they do five hundred one C. You know what I mean? And it's a pain in the, in the butt, you know. But anyway, right. yeah, man, that's that's advertising. Now, Keith, word of mouth. But go ahead. It, it is, and there's a, another thing. Did anybody catch uh, that episode of Bill Maher? Uh, ben Shapiro was on there, and uh, that was very what interesting. Well, um, Bill Maher, you know, typical liberal. Uh, sometimes he makes, you know, some sense, uh, but very, very left-leaning. And uh, he okay. talked about the interview that uh, Tucker Carlson had did with the supposed dictator of Hungary. Um, yep. And he told he told everybody he goes, can you imagine if a Democrat, uh, you know, did a sit down interview and was buddy buddy with a dictator? And Ben Shapiro fired back with the correct response. I mean, even though Ben Shapiro is Jewish, it was the yep. correct response. He looked at Bill Maher and said, "Well, Barack Obama, he sat yeah. down with with Fidel Castro's son, held his hand at a baseball game." What's your point? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's right. I remember that too. Um, Obama, I was very well uh, uh, educated on the Obama administration. I, I stayed upon things constantly because I, I thought for sure when they did the banker collapse that they were going to usher in their new world order through some kind of false flag. You know, I just thought for sure they were going to do it, but they didn't. You know, and that's what really, right. really. Uh, Really uh, took me for a, a loop there, but then they, then Trump came in, and it's like everything went stalemate for a while. Because Trump really it didn't did. do it anything did. to make things any no, better. Didn't. You know, when you think about it, he, he did. I mean, he didn't restore freedom. He didn't. Re- we didn't get back any extra liberties or anything like that. I mean, you know, or the, freedoms. The one thing I will say is everybody was wrong uh, when they tried to call Donald Trump a a dictator. Um, yeah. Dictator wasn't a Donald Trump wasn't a dictator. First of all, nobody lost their freedoms, nobody lost any rights. Um, the supposed rights that some people lost, you know, the feminists and women in general, was uh, taxpayer-funded abortions, which I, I, I yeah. think everybody can agree that taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for somebody else. That's like saying, okay, Joe, you racked up um, $150,000 in student debt. You're responsible for the debt, but I'm going to take on responsibility of the debt even though I never signed anything. doesn't make sense. Yeah, 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 you're right. I mean, look at this, uh, um, the uh, hospitalization, hospital, hospitalized uh, rate. For Israel and Australia, report 95 to 99 percent hospitalized, full, uh, fully vaccinated, fully vaccinated, and yet they got the most sickest population that's being poisoned. You know that they're dying. Which, of course, I'm pretty sure when I say Israel, you're like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's like, uh, you know, and way they're they're the forefronts of the uh, idiot idiot brigade, you know, and I guess that's they're oh, yeah. doing it. We're supposed to do it. No, 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 I don't think so. You know, I mean, it's crazy. It's really insane. But, but what do you think, real quick, why I got you? Um, what do you think about this uh, Governor Cuomo uh, with, with this harassing women thing? What do you think? <laughs> what, what really pisses me off with that is everybody and their mom, including the news, is talking about Cuomo's uh, sexual harassment scandals, but nobody's talking about his nursing home death scandals that they covered up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's They're talking the about one, yeah. criminally charging him. Uh, for sexual harassment, uh, but they're not going to criminally charge him for gross negligence that resulted in thousands of deaths. 
I don't yeah. understand it. It's like you could commit murder, yeah. get away with it, but if you if you cop a feel, you go to prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And, and really, the office stuff. I mean, where well, you got one? Well, really, though, I'm going to stick up for him on one thing. Really, one of the office mm. ladies was sitting sitting in his lap during a dinner mm. or whatever and kissing him on the lips. Now, come on, how can right. you come back and press charges on him? Come on, that's you know that's consensual. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of blown out of proportion, but you know. Uh, it's it's insane. Look at the Democratic Socialists of America. It's uh, this is the one right here. Teen Vogue. Uh, uh, it's uh, Teen Vogue urged its young readers in a recent online publication to mobilize toward building a socialist future. Now, there's not, now that's not to be confused with the National Socialist Movement. That's that's a different type of socialist, right? Right. A- absolutely. Okay. A- absolutely. Yeah. I-, I get yeah. it all the time on Gab. Uh, when I yeah. when I post the uh, the radio show links, uh, I've had people say socialism uh, pass, and and my response to that is this simple: if you think national socialism is the same thing as communism, congratulations, you're fucking stupid. Yeah, 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 you're right. You know that's complete idiocy. You know, you know. I mean, right away. Well, you know what? I, when I'm if I was confused about it, what I would do is I would look into it. You know what I mean? I would right. run with something, you know, and that's what the, the normal uh, uh, reaction would be instead of a knee-jerk reaction, you know. But I got some other well, callers here, Eddie, that uh, want to jump in here. But uh, go ahead. I mean, I'm sorry to cut you off. Oh, no, you're good. I was going to say what, what I find ironic when it comes to, you know, doing research on political ideology and racial ideology is if I was to compare it, it would be like something breaking on your car. Right. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to read the manual. You're going to find out what does what. And then you're going to see if you have enough, you know, knowledge of what you're doing to to fix the problem yourself. Um, You make it an intelligent based decision. These people don't do that. They don't do that. They go, well, let me see what Wikipedia says or uh, my college professor says this. Really? Yeah. Your college professor yeah. told you to eat a bag of dog shit. Would you do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's it's definitely. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, I'll leave you. I'll leave you. I'll leave you on the line if you want to mute yourself. That's fine. Uh, just go right okay. ahead and uh, stick around if you want to. Uh, let's yeah. bring on Connecticut. Connecticut, go ahead there. Good evening, everybody. Uh, I didn't know if you were going to have a show or not, so I just called in, and 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 there you were. But you're talking about. <laughs> Some good stuff here. You know, you're talking about Cuomo or Como, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> you're yeah, from there, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what his name is. Yeah, you know what? You know, he he, he talks like a mafia guy and everything like that. So it's good for him. You got women sitting on his lap. You know what? I'd like I'd like to have one sit on my lap too. So you know, and if that's what, if that's what she wants to do. But you know, look what they did to Kavanaugh. It was Kavanaugh, wasn't it? Uh, they they, they got women out of the woodwork and red solo cups and everything because it was they didn't want him in there. And they, they pulled everything out of the woodwork. They manufactured the evidence, and they got into the, in front of the Supreme Court, and they testified to it. Well, Not Supreme Court, the uh, Judiciary Committee. Yeah. Right, exactly. I'm. I oh, I'm sorry. I got a little mixed up there. But you, you, you got you got the gist of what I'm trying to say here. So, we got Cuomo here, or Como, whatever. He wrote the book. He got a Nobel Prize or whatever he got. And uh, and uh, the Democratic Party doesn't like what he's doing. They don't like what he's doing with the nursing homes, just like the gentleman just said. So they're going to manufacture this evidence. They're going to get him out. If he doesn't go, if he doesn't resign, 
They'll continue oh, wait, this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean Democratic Party? What do you mean? You said Democratic Party doesn't like what he's doing. Well, the Democrats or Republicans? I'm, I'm a little, I don't know which one were, which one didn't like what he was doing. Well, the, well, you see, if he's co- committing sexual assault or, or or whatever they say he's doing and everything, he's doing that on his own. It really has nothing to do with the party. He's just a bad player for the Democratic Party because he's oh, okay. doing this. But. But, but but sticking people in a nursing home and having them die, now that's a reflection back on the Democratic Party, and they don't Absolutely. want that. Yeah. Right, and they don't yeah, okay. want that. So so they're yeah. going to make him resign, and then and then all these deaths are just going to go away. That's my opinion. And that's and if he doesn't resign, yep. right, and if he doesn't <laughs> resign. And his ass is still on the platter because, you know, look what they did to Kavanaugh. They manufactured, you know, all, all the evidence and everything else. So, you know. Well, they went after and, a witch hunt. It was a freaking witch hunt, you know. I mean, they were, they were ready to tear a pound of flesh off of them, each Democrat there, you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly, exactly. And and these are the people that work for us that are supposed to do our bidding. It, it appears to me that they're doing their own bidding. And the time is coming when the people are going to stand up and – and, and and we're going to take back control again of everything because, you know, we, we've got this COVID lockdown. You know, you know, according to the CDC, of course, of course, what what they say is, is about as useless as tits on a bull. But, I mean, they're, they're, they've got the science behind them. They've got Fauci or whatever who makes more than the president of the United States and everything else. And supposedly yeah. their information is accurate. You know, science can't prove anything anyway. Science is just the best guess at everything, and we're going to go along to get along, and this is what we think today, so this is what we're going to say. Yeah, but, yeah. They, but they say COVID has a 99.7% survival rate. That's what they say. So, you know, if everyone in the world got COVID, everyone, every single person in the world, 20 million people would die. I don't see that as a pandemic. I really don't. Yeah, I, know. Well, I don't, also, I don't know I don't how see, they get it a pandemic. I don't see what the vaccinations for. I don't see what the vaccinations Well, vac- for. evidently vaccinations don't work because, because they just did the first autopsy of, of the first person that had the, uh, the double COVID vaccines. And the results of the autopsy are, are quite remarkable. And anybody who's had the vaccine should, should look it up and pay attention because, uh, according to according to the, the autopsy, <laughs> people are going to be dead in three to five years. <laughs> that's what really? the autopsy. Re- no, that's what the autopsy revealed. I, I'd look it up if I were you. I mean, I'm just spouting off information that I've come across. Of course, you get it off the internet, so you know it has to be true. But uh, that's that's the information that that I got off the internet. And it's like the other other gentleman said, you know, that if they tell you to eat dog shit, you know, will you eat it? Well, you know, some people say, you know, that's organic material, so it's good for you. And you know what? You'll, you, you, could, you could probably put it in a bag and sell it on eBay and people will buy it because people just don't yeah. know better. Well, I, yeah, he, I know. Well, I'm not interested in trying it, though. <laughs> you know, but yeah, well, but I see what you're saying, though. People are ignorant enough to do it, you know. Yeah, people are ignorant enough to do it. And ever since World War II, and that, that's just before I was born, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. They're going to drop bombs. As a child, I walked around with a Geiger counter because they're going to drop nuclear bombs. You know what? I'm not saying that nothing's going to happen because these people in power want to stay in power, and they will do anything, including a fake pandemic, on you, on the world, to get what they want. 
and, and there has been never a, a greater time in history than to prepare. And I, I don't mean prepare like, like go to Walmart and buy yourself a new pair of pants. I mean prepare yourself with food and water and things of that nature and electricity, you know, for, for a long term. Because it's always a good idea to prepare to have something behind you. But ever since World War II, nothing has really happened. And, 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 it, and there's been scares since 1945, scares, 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 and nothing has happened. Because for some reason, they just never get their way. But like I said, there has never been a greater time in history to prepare. You can prepare yourself with food, water, like I said. Uh, you can pr provide yourself uh, with even CB radio to communicate with others because, you know, bring down the Internet, turn off your electricity. Most people won't survive 12 hours because they just don't know how to do it. You know, and if you think you're going to go out and get a generator, that's wonderful. But where are you going to get the gas to, to power it? So think, think of other avenues. Well, yeah. Yeah, I got some other callers here. Jump in here. Uh, I want to jump in here. Probably could be stars on here. I know, but I think uh, right. uh, Eddie's back on here. All right. Uh, prior All right. Caller, well, I'll let, you, I'll let you guys go right ahead. I just right. thought I'd jump in there. Uh, it, I, I thought it was Sunday, actually, today, and it turns out to be Saturday. So, I'm, so yep. I got an extra day tomorrow to do whatever I want. So I'll let everyone else just go ahead, and I'll sit back and listen. Nice All righty. All righty. Private caller, go ahead. You're unmuted. Hello, how you doing, Joe? Hey, Sarge, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Joe, you know, good conversation going on tonight, good callers. But uh, now I'd like to remind Eddie, and I know Eddie probably knows this, but maybe you yeah, got to unmute him. I got him on here. Unmute yeah, him. Yeah, well, like, I'd like to remind him uh, that he you got, must always, wherever it's possible, he might just have forgotten about it in this instance, with regard to the impetus for Cuomo's removal, being the fact that he offended feminist sensibilities rather than the fact that he killed thousands of elderly people in nurses' homes through <laughs> malfeasance and incompetence. Well, you got to remember, right. a rule called intersectionality. Yep. Feminist sensibilities always trump older people who are probably, in the main, more likely to vote for Trump's type candidates and or conservatives than are feminists whose sensibilities are offended. So right. in the hierarchy of things, feminist sensibilities will always trump older people getting knocked off by incompetent, malfeasant governors. Especially when yeah, it's I, I, I forgot that one, Sarge. That's, that's my fault there. And uh, I'm going to let you continue in just a second, but I want to point out what Connecticut said about uh, you know, since World War II, nothing's really happened. You know, I, I beg to differ. We, we've had, you know, Benghazi. Uh, we've had the uh, false flag toppling of the Libyan go government. Uh, we had uh, uh, Bush's war that his father – yeah, yeah, 9-11, Bush's war that his father didn't finish with Iraq with so-called weapons of mass destruction that we've yet still to see. Uh, should I keep yeah. going? I, I mean, I can keep all going. The, all those are true. <laughs> <laughs> All those are true. And Benghazi, you know, uh, we, we had Hillary Clinton in there who sat in front of con Congress who, who wiped the server with a cloth and everything. Those aren't, right. aren't the kind of... Those aren't the kind of catastrophes I'm talking about that we need to prepare for. The, those, those for, for lack of a better term, are, are a scenario because we really don't know about any of them. We really don't. You know, they really sure. didn't 
They really didn't affect us. I'm talking about a, a major takedown of the United States or the world by these people because they're going to lose their power. Like Russia coming, dropping nuclear bombs on the United States. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, right. Okay. But, that, but that, that's what I mean, though. Like, we, we've had things similar, uh, but not to the same degree of somebody dropping bombs on this country because I don't think that that's going to happen yet. And that's the key word. But what we have had is we've had multiple scandals in Congress, including uh, three prominent Republicans voting in favor of Joe Biden's infrastructure bill that only 2 percent of the funding actually goes to infrastructure, not to mention if you're a truck driver or just an average person who goes to the store or drives to work. Well, guess I see what? A three, five, the federal... two. I see 352 waiting. Sorry, I just want to let uh, – yep. see, I see a couple other calls. Sorry about go that. Go ahead, no, Eddie. I just want to let him know. No, go ahead. Finish, please. But the um... – Okay, but yet if you're if you just like to go to work or you know take a drive or something, well guess what? Now the federal government is going to tax you per mile on top of your oh, already yeah. gas tax. So and and the three Republicans, the the three top three that are well known is Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Mitt Romney. This is going to be law. Mark mm. my words, it's going to be law. <laughs> And let's not forget that the primary beneficiary of half of the vehicles being sold that are going to be electric vehicles will be Red China because they will be the principal manufacturer of batteries for electrical vehicles because cobalt and lithium and other key uh, 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 ingredients in making those batteries are found in Red China. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. But there's yeah. another thing too about you were talking about uh you know the uh, Tucker Carlson interview with Victor Orban, the uh, president mm-hmm. of Hungary, and the yep. fact that they're trying to make him out to be some kind of authoritarian thug simply because right. he wishes to preserve the identity of the Hungarians. I I'd like to point out a fact, uh, a fact that you know they always overlook in their little celebration parallaxes, and I'll, I'll tell you what that means in case you're not familiar with it in a minute, because that is really a beautiful term coined by Michael Anton, advisor to President Trump. But anyway, in Hawaii in the fall of 1970, uh, Barack Obama, when he was nine years old, was introduced to a 65-year-old man named Frank Marshall Davis. Obama's guy, uh, uh, grandfather, uh, Stanley Dunham, made the introduction because he thought Obama needed a black role male model. Davis was a card-carrying member of the commie party. Now, uh, Davis founded the Chicago uh, 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 leftist rag, a Marxist rag, really called the Chicago Star. Uh, And uh, his politics was so radical, the FBI placed him under continuous surveillance. Uh, the, the House Senate Judiciary Committee summoned Davis to Washington to testify on his activities in the U.S. He pled the fifth, and the FBI placed him on the federal government security index, which meant that he could be immediately or detained or arrested in the event of a war breaking out between the United States and the Soviet Union. Now, I want to repeat this. In the event of, war, of a war between Russia and Soviet, I mean, Soviet Union and the United States, which was a real possibility in the 60s and uh, late 50s, 60s, and so forth, uh, mm-hmm. the future mentor to the president of the United States, who would commit himself in his presidency to a campaign of what he called collective salvation, that's a quote, to fundamentally transform the president of the United States, would have been placed under immediate arrest. 
But of course, Booyah. you know, we're not supposed to notice those kind of things because he was wow. transformative and a fundamentally historic figure. So therefore, so we don't need to worry about it. Hey, let me bring on 352 here. He's wait, been waiting a while here, a long time. Uh, 352 from Florida. Go ahead. Uh, yes, hi, Joe. Um, now, uh, I grew up in an era back in the 60s and 70s where we were taught in school and ultimately brainwashed that the Nazi party were were, were bad people and uh, all the atrocities they committed. But we have to remember that the, the uh, history is written by the victors. Now, I've listened to Eddie for the last couple months on your show. And I listened to SM, SM, NSM radio last couple of weeks, and I would love to sit down and have a face-to-face and, and talk with Eddie and these other guys on NSM uh, uh-huh. because, I mean, they're, they're, they're starting to change my mind. <laughs> see, see, people are always about red pilling. No, nah, no, nah, I just, I just smack you with a brick of truth. <laughs> Yeah, so this is one of your well, silent I mean, listeners, I, mean, I guess, I mean, that finally I'm, came forward. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, yeah, I have to admit, we were brainwashed back in the, in the 60s and 70s that the Nazi party was bad. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, and now, what, what, what's, what's bad mean now? Because we know the communists, how many they murdered. They were, I mean, the, the communists, what they did afterwards were just absolutely... Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. It's never oh, talked yeah. about. You know, it's never talked about. Uh, well, 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 killed at least 20 times as many people as Adolf Hitler's accused of killing. At yeah, least yeah. 20 times. Well, yeah. no, I argued no, with no, the uh, other night, actually, about that, the gas chamber yeah. thing. You know, I argued yeah. with him. He said, oh, yes, they did. They did kill people in the gas chambers. He did gas them and, and whatnot. I said, well... You mean to tell me six million, six million Jews he killed? There weren't even that many Jews in all of Europe during that time. And you're going to well, sit there, correct, and he correct. just wouldn't yeah. hear it. He just wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen I, at all. To I just want to, yeah. yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I, I just want to point this out <clears throat> that I got flunked in high school uh, when it came to doing a test on World War II. We had to write a report, an essay, and things like that. You know, our findings and stuff like that. And this is what my high school failed me for. I contacted my local uh, mortuary and asked them, okay, I have a question, and I'm doing this for school. You know, this I have to write an essay on the supposed Holocaust. And he's like, okay, what can I do for you? I said, I would like to know, is it possible, and can I use your name as, as a reference on my report? And he said, sure. I said, okay, so my question is, is it possible? Somebody's got background noise. For, Somebody's got some background noise. Somebody does. That's but, not me. Okay, and I asked him, I said, is it possible for a series of cremations, right, of crematoriums to be fully operational and running 24-7, 365? And he goes, it is absolutely mathematically impossible because those crematoriums need to be shut down, cleaned, serviced, maintenanced, Parts need replacing, and he said, if you're talking about the supposed uh, cremation of six million people, it would still be going on to this day. Really? Now, they, this they was when I was in many. high school. I was 14. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so basically, so, but, but why then, why for the lie? Why for the lie? What's the purpose? 
Because then well, no, the, uh, everyone's the against Hitler anyway. You know, but what's the, the purpose? It's the check, though. It's the check, because if you look at every single Jewish person around the world today that is a supposed uh, survivor of the Holocaust, now that term has not been defined. Uh, what they've defined it as so far is if you are a relative of somebody who has perished in the supposed Holocaust, you receive a check in your children, and your children's children, and your children's children's children. Just like really? the movie uh, – Yes, just like the movie Valkyrie with Tom Cruise, a lot of people didn't go see that because the proceeds uh, went to the Holocaust Memorial. Oh, okay. What about the, now? Now, what about the uh, uh, survivors that tried to? Well, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying sticking up for them, but just saying, uh, why right. not the proceeds go to the ones that tried to do the overthrow? Why not their family? Well, the, you know, the um, now what I mean by the proceeds going to the Holocaust Memorial, uh, it means that it goes to the Holocaust Fund, which gets dispersed. Now anybody could find this out for themselves, but there are Jews that are still alive to this day that were in the Holocaust, and a lot of their 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 depictions differ from their counterparts. Some of them say, well, Auschwitz was the most notorious death camp of them all, and it was the most brutal conditions anybody could live under. But yet there's other Jews that say, actually, that's not true. We had a cantina, a theater. We had commissary. Yep. We were allowed to send cards to family and receive mail. That yeah. doesn't sound like a death camp. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I yeah, I, I've, I've saw interviews with that too of, of how, and I brought that up to this pastor. I said, you know, I said there's Jews that give eyewitness testimony that said this right. did not happen. They were there, they were lived in there, and he still would not believe. He goes, oh no, 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 I don't care, I don't care, nope, that's a, I, I don't care, nope, nope. You know, he no. just, just would not. You know, he's right. a pastor, so you know, and, the Jews are God. I'm going to let this guy finish his thought here in just a second, but the movie Schindler's List, uh, when Steven Spielberg, another notorious Jew, uh, made this movie, a lot of the people that he was trying to reach out to um, to verify if they were dead from the Holocaust because they were in it, come to find out they were alive. And in Europe and the vast majority in the United States. And that's really? why on, on, on the VHS tape, it had to say fictional not true story, but everybody really? takes the movie oh, Schindler's wow. List is based on a true story when in fact it's a fictional movie. It's a Hollywood I, adaptation. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Uh, excuse me. I, I got a I got a comment or or, or or a remark here for the gentleman that's speaking now and for Sarge because Sarge seems to be so knowledgeable, and that we were speaking of the vaccine uh, and the lockdowns previous to all of this. Now, the Nuremberg Code was a set of research ethics uh, that, that they did after World War II to, to uh, provide ethics for, you know, people, uh, for experimentation on people. And in that code, there's a number of situations which, which people must now follow nowadays. In other words, you cannot come, come at me with a deadly weapon, a vaccine, and inject it in my arm. Is that's a violation of the Nuremberg Code, and it's and it's a crime against humanity. That's what it would be considered. Now I know what you're talking about. 
Yeah, that appears to be what they're doing now. They're going door to door with unsanitary conditions, trying to stick people with a death dart. And I would think that's a violation uh, against humanity, uh, what they're doing today, based on the Nuremberg uh, Code of Ethics. Well, right. why yeah, not? I yeah, I got it uh, right in front of me in one of my books about World War II because I got so damn many. And one of them is uh, they got ten ethical guidelines for research that came out of the Nuremberg trials. And one of them is voluntary consent is essential. The results of any experiment must be for the greater good of society. Human experiments should be based on previous animal experimentation. Experiments should be conducted by avoiding physical, mental suffering and injury. No experiment should be conducted if it is believed to cause death or disability. The risk should never exceed the benefits. Adequate facilities should be used to protect subjects. Experiments should be conducted only by qualified scientists. Science subjects should be able to end their participation at any time, and the uh, measures taken should be entirely voluntary for those of sound mind and mental capacity. Based on all uh, that, I think they decided right after Nuremberg. Uh, I'd say that what they're doing now is a violation of, of that code. Uh, I would, I would have to kind of agree. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. obvious to me. Well, now, I got a, I got a question. I'd like to ask Eddie. Oh, oh, all um, these politicians, all these politicians. Oh, hey guys. Who are hey guys, doing hang this? On, hang on all one these, second, guys, because uh, the gentleman po- in Florida, he said he wanted to ask a question, and we're all kind of going back and forth. So, I think yeah. we should let the guy uh, talk. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, what said that, that, for violation. that it has to be done by a qualified doctor or physician. Well, what makes Bill Gates and Fauci qualified? <laughs> well, I believe violation of that code is punishable by death. Um, uh, well, they, they didn't provide a punishment. They they would they would leave that up to the convening authority who had adopted those ethics. So it could be no. any country that could try somebody, and then they leave the the penalties to that convening authority. Now, Sarge, did they repeal and replace during that that law that they put in during the Nuremberg trial after Nuremberg, uh, the uh, the animal cruelty laws uh, passed by uh, Adolf Hitler and the NSDAP that prohibited any experimentation or uh, mistreatment or cruelty towards animals of any kind? Actually, because no, they that. Did. Well, then that that law is invalid because if you're going to pass a law that supersedes another law, you have to repeal and replace and vote it. Well, actually, we've got to remember now, the Nuremberg Code is a a, a series of ethical laws that some countries adopted and others didn't. It wasn't actually like – they didn't actually agree to it by treaty like a United Nations charter, although some of its elements – were incorporated into the United Nations Charter. It depends on which country ratified it and incorporated it into their statute law in their countries. But don't you think they were forced to do so because they were a conquered nation occupied by three major foreign powers? You don't really have oh, a fucking I, say yeah, in what your policy that. is. <laughs> no doubt about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. But I'll be quiet. You guys go ahead. I'll be quiet. I'll listen. Yeah, but I'd like to ask you, though, about, about what – Look, I've read a lot about the Nuremberg, so I've watched a lot of the testimony, in particular one individual. Uh, and, um, you probably have heard his name, Otto Ohlendorf, a oh, yeah. uh, Oprah Gruppenfuhrer, who was mm-hmm. one of the leaders of one of the Einsatzgruppen. I think it was Einsatzgruppen 4. 
Anyway, uh, yeah. what do you think? What do you think about the? Uh, uh, what is the truth as you see it of the Einsatzgruppe, and what do they? And how does it comport with what Otto Ohlendorf testified to at Nuremberg? Well, what I would compare it is is first off his. Uh, I'm I'm really big on on proper pronunciation on these titles. Uh, Uba Gutenführer uh, was his title. Um, and the Einsatzgruppen, contrary to what a lot of people believe, is they're notoriously known as death squads. Now, part of that is true. Yes, they did kill people. But they killed people that were partisans because the Geneva Convention outlawed any kind of military-coordinated attacks by non-uniformed individuals. And so you got to shut that shit down. So if you were arrested, interrogated, found guilty, you were executed. That simple. Oh, yeah, I know wow. that. Uh, you know, and, and uh, yeah, uh, Soviet Union didn't sign the Geneva Convention. Um, Absolutely, but what so I find that ironic one, that was the, one of the reasons war in the East was so barbaric on both sides. Cause but, but what I was going to say, Sarge, what I find ironic with the Soviet Union and the uh, 1945 Nuremberg trials is we have the Soviet Union investigating the uh, top-ranking officials of the NSDAP or commonly known as the Nazi Party, uh, for crimes against humanity when the Russians were the biggest perpetrators of crimes against humanity. And then you had the, the, uh, the English investigating um, for illegal seizure of land. Well, huh, the last I checked, uh, England has a, a long, rich history of that. The same thing with the United States on uh, mass murder, right? You know, the ma mass killing of Jews. Well, you know, they even Goering pointed this out and made a mockery of it. Who better to investigate that than the United States? Look what they did to the Native American population. So well, you got a bunch of world powers. Russia that doesn't exist anymore. It's yeah, Galatia right. now. But my point is, is you've got all these world powers casting judgment when they themselves are guilty perpetrators of the very crimes that they're investigating. How ironic is that? Well, yeah. I, I gotta admit, uh, I gotta admit, Hermann Gehring did give uh, Robert Jackson a tough time when he was because <laughs> I mean, you see, Hermann Gehring got in a, well, they weaned him off the dope, and he was always a really intelligent guy. I mean, he had a high, he was high, high, shit. A high from one thirties or low one forties, and they got him right. off the dope. They got him in shape. He lost a lot of weight, and he was very sharp. <laughs> interrogation. Yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah, you know, I would. You know, he kind of turned a lot of things back on Jackson, so, you know. I, I would say Goering was on top of his shit uh, like he was before he sustained that injury that got him addicted to morphine in the first place. Uh, that's probably true. He, he wasn't a blabbering idiot um, after they fucking weaned him off by no means. <laughs> no, no, not a fact. That was probably a mistake for them, at least far, as far as the performance in Nuremberg, because he was really sharp on that interrogation. They should have kept him drunk. He, <laughs> he really was. I mean, he, he really did. It was really startling. He knew he was doomed. See, he knew no matter what he was getting the news. Right? You're right, but so he, he was going to give them a run for the money. And he did. 
Now, there, there was another individual in the Nirenberg trials, uh, an SS camp commandant, uh, who testified on behalf of the prosecution against his fellow comrades about the, uh, the supposed crimes uh, that the SS and the Einsatzgruppen had committed uh, from blah, blah, blah time to blah, blah, blah time. But what I find ironic, and this is intentionally left out of the history books, at least in schools, you can find this out. The Allies had his family hostage and were threatening to kill them. They even did this, this torture tactic on this man. Um, you, you all ever heard that phrase, you know, uh, nut busting, you're busting my balls? Well, what sure. they did to this gentleman is they tied him to an old wooden chair and took a mallet to his crotch repeatedly until he agreed to ah. testify. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. They did tactics like that with the uh, men accused of the Malmody massacre. Uh, Yuck and Piper's uh, um, um, Piper members, and mm. that was one of the things that was uncovered. Uh, you know, when Joe McCarthy had those hearings right, on right. the way they that way they had been found guilty and the sh- behind the scenes shenanigans of the prosecution. They were found and done a lot of things that See, were uh, unethical so- and flat out illegal. Sarge, you can't hit me with any. Uh, you can't hit me with fastballs, Sarge. I'm too quick on the draw for that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know. It was a lot of. There was a lot of uh, prosecutorial misconduct going along with a lot of those things after the war as well. But but Ollendorf did testify on the stand that he got a written order. Uh, that required the Einsatzgruppen to murder Jews. Now, that, no evidence of that was ever uh, issued, but that's what he Absolutely. testified. See, that, that would be my thing is, in order to make that person's testimony credible about the written order, um, first, circulated evidence needs to be found, and the issuing yep. officer needs to be brought in and charged and forced to testify. Otherwise, you got nothing. Nada. Yeah, Zip. right, right. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, Just what saying. would be the purpose yeah, of that's testimony history, without corroboration, guy. and you always got to have corroboration for testimony. Well, look, you're a history guy. Look, we got history people, uh, people, obviously smart people here on the panel right now. What would be the reasoning for shutting down? I mean, why take out? I mean, look, we know why the war started, blah, blah, blah. But why sure. pick, why go on the side of the communists, the Soviet Union, Stalin? Why, you know, align yourself with them? Because he invaded Poland. You know, why go yep. after Adolf Hitler? What was the purpose? Why go after the German people? Well, remember was, one thing. Why? Now, you talk about what was the British, why the British declared war on uh, Germany. Now, that was, of course, in 1939. And remember, they had given guarantees to Poland, which, of course, they could never fulfill. You know, after, after, uh, after um, you know, Germany occupied the Rump section of Czechoslovakia left over after they gave up the Sudetenland, it was at that point that Britain issued uh, a warning to Germany if they went any farther, they were going to declare war. They told them they were going to declare war on them, which is what they actually did when Hitler went into Poland. Now, with the United States, Hitler kind of simplified it for the United States because he declared war on the United States on December 11, 1941. That really did simplified matters for the U.S. Did he? Did he actually yes, he declared war? war December 11, 1941. Yes. Now, okay. now to, to elaborate on that real quick, the reason why Adolf Hitler declared war on the U.S. 
1941 was the United States was already in a war against Germany. The only difference was is they didn't have actual troops on the ground fighting the Germans. They were sending um, weapons, tanks, planes, artillery, you name it, uh, to their allies yeah. uh, to further their war effort. So the United States was already in the war anyhow. Why not make it official? <laughs> yeah, well, you got to remember, the, the, the United States Navy was in a shooting war with U-boats in the Atlantic. I mean, the Reuben James had been sunk, and the United States destroyer had been sunk. The Greer had been heavily damaged with heavy loss of life. I think uh-huh. 179 sailors were killed when the Reuben James was sunk. United States Navy destroyers were actively hunting U-boats and depth-charging them. So well, I, they, think- look, if, I think Hitler figured that when... Look, he had uh, the Japanese had a first-class, world-class navy. Okay, and when uh, when the Japanese got in the war with the United States, okay, I'm gonna have to go to war with the United States at some point anyway. I finally got an Axis partner that has a real navy that can actually defeat the British and the United States because I don't have it yet. Right. And, uh, I, can move and I can finish up in the Soviet Union and turn back and deal with the uh, Western Allies. I think they had no navy. Yeah. But they were in a shooting war, no doubt about it. U-boats and the United States Navy were in a shooting war in the North Atlantic before December 11th. What what, what are you going to point out, Eddie? Uh, I was going to say, I can tell you, I can answer your your question, why the the world powers took the side of the communists. Okay. And it's simple. One of, the, one, of the, one of the policies that the NSDAP had – now imagine if this caught on around the world, especially here, oh boy – was um, say, say you're married and you want to become a homeowner, right? Okay. Okay, well, you need a loan. All right. The government gives you a loan. You get the home. If you have a child, half the loan is paid off. If you have two children, guess what? You owe no loan. You now become a homeowner. Hmm, imagine that, right? Yeah. In Germany, you actually saw the financial benefit of your labor, unlike here in the United States and the rest of the world. It just seems like you work to eat and pay your bills, and that's it. Um, in Germany, during these policies, uh, German workers were allowed to annually take a vacation with the amount of kickbacks that they got for working and the policies that were put in place, you could go on vacation anywhere, not to mention the, uh, the Volkswagen that came out. Um, yeah. That car was around 900 Reichsmarks. Um, Adolf Hitler brought it down because he believed that every single German citizen should have a car. Holy shit. Imagine that, right? Durable? Yeah. yeah. Good to maintain? Yeah, would love that. I mean, holy shit, <laughs> um, versus yeah. the traditional vehicle that was around a 1,000-something. Um, these policies actually led to the benefit and the what I would call the national rebirth of the country, not just economically, but militarily and socially. And the rest of the world could not have that catch on. They couldn't have it, not to mention they really? pulled out of the banking system, which allowed yeah. Germany – not to print money at inflated rates with high interest, but um, to actually use their own currency, which gave them no deficit. Now imagine yeah. if we didn't have a deficit and we did that. So they kind of pulled <laughs> out oh, of the world scenario. Oh, by the way, guys, uh, I, I don't know if you all are familiar with this, but 
You are aware that in 1940, during the Winter War, when the Soviet Union invaded Finland, Britain came fairly close to declaring war on the Soviet Union over that. They did. Really? I didn't, I didn't know that. The Soviet Union got his ass kicked, and that's one reason Hitler looked at the Soviets <laughs> and said, Oh, the Finns can do this to them. I know what my army can do to them. Well, that's but, right. You know, yeah. But the thing of it was, I mean, you know, that came within an ace of declaring war on the Soviet Union in 1940 during the uh, Winter War with Finland and the, over the Karelian Isthmus. But like I said, I believe that's the reason why the uh, the Allied powers took the side of the Russians and uh, Britain and France in the first place. Um, just because of what Germany was able to do long before the Holocaust. Oh, my God. You know, we, we can't have the rest of the world where the workers actually enjoy the uh, the benefit and the fruits of their labor. Oh, no. No, yeah. Well, the banking industry uh, question that really uh, – or uh, scenario that you proposed really, really did uh, make sense because they're not part of the world global future system that the IMF and World Bank had right. planned. But, uh, hey, anybody else want to chip in here, uh, get in a conversation, or what do you got something to say? 657-383-0616, press number one, and then you'll be connected, unscreened, uncensored. But uh, I don't know where Florida went. Florida left, I think. You left the conversation there. But, uh, hey, uh, Sarge or, or Eddie, uh, well, you were the first caller. You want to go first? Uh, closing uh, comments to tonight's podcast? I got about seven minutes left. Oh, well, shit, I'll let Sarge go first. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, I kind of put you on the spot a lot, so. <laughs> go ahead, Jay, well, look, uh, all I got to say is that, you know, I just can't get over this lawless damn Biden regime. I mean, we literally got a Supreme Court decision saying that you're not allowed to nationalize the rental property industry. You can't do it. And they're a bureaucrat, a damn bureaucrat, not even a legislator gets up here and enacts a regulation which has the effect of law nationalizing the rental industry after the Supreme Court says you can't do it. Can you imagine? Look at all the nonsense they were making up with Trump about the emoluments clause and him trying to get cooperation from President Zelensky with regard to a treaty with which the United States had enacted with Ukraine with regard to criminal investigations, particularly one involving Joe Biden. But here we got a guy, they're actively defying the Supreme Court, making up law that's unconstitutional, and ain't nobody in the mainstream press hall saying a damn thing about it. Man, everything about this current situation is topsy-turvy up in the air and absolutely bass-ackwards, and we better do something about it quick, and it's going to be up to these state governors to start saying, no, we ain't allowing you to do none of this. If they don't start doing it, it's over as far as liberty is concerned. Well, there you go. Well, but I think it's going to be localized politics like the Eddie. I think that's what, what it's going to be. I think we're going to have to uh, – uh, uh, it's going to be localized politicians that are going to have to step to the forefront. But i got another guy who wants to jump in here, uh, 918. Go ahead, 918. Hi, Sarge. This is Angela. I just wanted to say I was enjoying you uh, talking about history. I wish the show would go on a little bit longer. I don't know. Is that uh, I can actually go about uh, 20 minutes after. I can go about 20 more minutes if, you, if, if everybody wants to stick around that long, sure. I wanted to ask Sarge if he's allowed to reply. Uh, have you ever read Frida Utley's books? Um, she was a premature anti-communist, and she was part of the McCarthy hearing. Uh, Reagan used to talk about her. Because I know you're well-read. And Imperium by Francis Yockey, that's a long read. Had you heard of these people, or, or have you read any of their work? 
since Lloyd I've Disney. heard of Frida Utley. I haven't read read of a book. Uh, the others you've spoken of, no, I don't know anything about those those people. Frida's family. Frida is part of my family. Oh, okay. Well, you have the best yeah. interest in her then. Yeah. Uh, a premature yeah. anti-communist. Yeah, that's that's an interesting term. Uh, the United States had a term called premature anti-fascist, remember? Yes. Uh, with regard to the people who were in the Lincoln Brigade uh, and fought particularly in the Spanish Civil War. No, so, I'm thinking of something else. You're better versed on history than I am. Oh, that's okay. Uh, the idea is exchange information. Like I said, I hadn't read the book by Frida Utley, but I have heard of her, though. Oh, she's written five books, or had, I should say. Uh, there was one, um, The High Cost of Vengeance, I think. That's an incredible read. I'm sorry about the dogs in the background. Uh, Eisenhower yep. took a lot of reporters to World War uh, to Germany after World War II, and he had to have a reason why everybody died because people lost their boys, their husbands, you know. And um, she had a lot to say. She had a lot to say. So I uh, concluded. Thank you. Well, I've got okay. to uh, the information. I just made a note on her. I'm going to do a little bit of research on her and see what she has to say. So at least I'll be a little bit more familiar. Yeah, PDFs well, maybe are she, free. Maybe the it's caller can tell us some of the things <laughs> Can you give us some examples well, the, of things that she did? I have never heard of it, so. Well, she alluded to how freshly painted the gas rooms were, and she alluded to a lot of different things that they oh, were yeah. encouraged to use the emotional aspect of the situation. Mm-hmm. And um, okay. it was shocking to me how badly treated the German soldiers were, how they starved the population how hard that treaty was. It was worse than the one in, was it 1917? It was worse than that. 1918. Oh, yeah. It was it's very violent. Yeah. yeah. But she talked a lot about that because she was there. Wait, and wasn't, she she in, uh, the, wasn't she uh, British? Yes. Yes, my family's from oh, okay, England. Yeah, it goes I remember back to about. Yeah, okay, yeah, I remember 1029. Derek Utley, who is a very big Trump supporter, he's also part of – a lot of us are interconnected. So, um, okay. But, yeah, uh, now I remember something about her. Yeah, she, uh, she has something very valuable to say about the communist things like the Katyan yes. master, you know, which a lot of people still that. aren't aware of today, where they literally tried to massacre the Polish intelligentsia. I mean, uh, you know, there were all kind of crimes the Soviets committed that just absolutely Yeah, war up. is dirty. War, war is dirty. Um, why I can't might they be add that. Today? Those are PDFs. Why can't, why can't, you can why read those still books. Prosecute Nazis, you know? Why be prosecuted today? Why can't the Soviets, why can't this stuff be brought up to the forefront today and, and go after these people? I mean, they're still going after Nazis, right? I mean, you always know, see it on the news. We got another one, you know? Why not go after those sons of bitches, yeah. you know? A few of the younger NKVD men still alive, maybe a few of them, and uh, if they could find them, they ought to go out. And they literally massacred over 50,000 Poles and covered it up, and they tried to blame it on the Nazis. Yeah. And they, they murdered a lot of Jews and blamed it on the Nazis. It was they convenient did. for yeah. them. Wow. They did? No, that's yeah. something else, boy. That's history being covered up. I mean, how are we – I think you called in Ukraine. one time what, about, called in a few weeks ago uh, 
uh, caller, and you were talking about history, you know, uh, well, you know, the subject of history and how it's, we don't know, really know the true history or what history, you know, because it's been rewritten so many times. I think that was you. Uh, was it Stars? Remember we mm-hmm. did a documentary on George Washington? I agree with that, but yeah, I don't yeah, think that was I remember when she called in before. Sure. It was but, you know, maybe look three, look three months ago. One thing that they don't like to talk about with regard to, to the, like, the invasion of the Soviet Union was the, was the incredible response of the Ukrainians in particular to their, mm-hmm. what they thought was their liberation by Nazi Germany and, uh, and their absolute hatred for Stalin because of the Holodomor that he engineered in Ukraine. That's right. Well, That's a whole show. That's a whole show yeah, right there. You there. <laughs> I mean, there it was a go. huge let's, let's... hotbed of resistance against the Soviet Union in Ukraine, and there, and of course, uh, there was a, the deal with General Pavlov, oh. uh, not Pavlov, uh, oh, was that that general, the Cossack general who turned against uh, the Soviet Union. Um, he was a hero of the Soviet Union, and he turned against the Soviet Union. He got the award, hero of the Soviet. I can't think of his name right now, but it'll come to me in a minute. But he actually raised an uh, an army. For the, for the Germans to fight against the uh, Soviets. Many of them were committed in the West against the Western Allies. Did they ever have a, uh, have a uh, um, what is it, a uh, an uprising after World War II, like maybe they got the German yes. people together and, and, and like try to overthrow uh, the, yes, the occupied forces? This, yeah, there was a uh, Ukraine, I think his name was Tyshlov, a Yushalov, I forget his name. Was a, he's considered a Ukrainian hero even today. He was very led a very active anti-Soviet uh, movement after the war. Thousands of people were killed on both sides, uh, and, and and the Soviet Union was hunting them down for at least a decade after the war was over. Wow, wow. Huh. How about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know I only got about. Up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know I only got about 15 of uh, overtime, 15 to 20, because I'm on the kosher plan, like Eddie likes to say. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'll give some final thoughts to everybody who, uh, on the podcast here so nobody gets cut off. That's what they're going to do. I'm not going to get no notice. They're going to say, thank you for using Bog Talk Radio and cut me right off. So, uh, Connecticut, I'll start with you. Connecticut, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go first, and, uh, and I'll go as quick as I can. And I, I just want to say, boy, we have some very knowledgeable uh, callers on the line this evening, especially the last three. Uh, I grew up in the late 50s. All my all my comments here are, are from what I remember. I really didn't do too much studying. I grew up in the late 50s. I grew up with the hippies. I was too busy doing other things to pay attention to war or Vietnam or school, for that matter. And I got married early, so uh, as far as my knowledge goes, it's very limited. But uh, it's very interesting to hear this, and it, it does ring a bell. And uh, I think that our, our current government is, is an illegitimate government, and uh, that, that's my opinion. And I think they're doing everything they can to, to retain power, and they will do whatever they have to do to retain their power. And as I said previously, I think uh, it, it would behoove everyone to, uh, to, to plan the best you can for a, a, any future uh, uh, spokes in the wheels that they may throw at you because I, I think they'll, they'll try anything. And, and, as, and uh, as I say, I think with this so-called pandemic, uh, they're using that as, uh, as their stepping stone. 
and uh, the takeover of uh, the, the uh, say the housing industry, but the rental market is just one way to pull the rug out from everyone uh, during the next election or, or, or the one in a couple of years later. Uh, to all these people that are receiving benefits that got so used to sitting home, to just have everything disappear and they can regain their assets in, in real estate or, or something of that nature. And again, that, that's sort of a, a vague scenario, but uh, I'm leery of the government now, and uh, I would prepare ourselves for any, any future things that they may throw at us. But you don't think the end of the world is coming, so. <laughs> you know, oh, I don't think the end of the world is coming, no. I think that's, that's been predicted since maybe the beginning of time, and it hasn't happened yet. I believe the end of the world will come, but I don't think it's going to come too soon. Well, all right. All right, uh, let's see. Eddie, you go next, and then I'll let the female there wrap it up for us. All right. Uh, so I've got two books I want people to look at. You can find them on eBay or possibly Amazon, definitely eBay. First book is called With Hitler to the End by Hans Linga. It's the memoirs of Adolf Hitler's SS personal chauffeur. The second one is the history of the SA. Um, and then my closing statement is this, and it's simple. A judgment is being visited upon the Jews that, while barbaric, is fully deserved by them. The prophecy in which the Fuhrer made about them for having brought on a new world war is beginning to come true in a most terrible manner. One must not be sentimental in these matters. If we do not fight the Jews, they will destroy us. It's life and death struggle between the Aryan races and the Jewish barbarians. Joseph Goebbels. Okay. All right. Nine one eight. You want to uh, say something here at the end, or just have a comment? It's up to you. You were, came in here on well, the I'll channel. Well, as fast as possible. You know, I like that last speaker, by the way, and he's right about the chauffeur. You know, there's so much information. But those books that I referred to by Frida Utley, or you can get them free through a PDF. They are, of course, quite much older. And Francis Yockey. That was not his real name. That's what he wrote underneath. Imperium, Francis Yockey, Imperium is also a PDF. So those are sources you can go to and read. And he was a, an attorney at the Nuremberg trial, and he had a different perspective on what was going on. If you want to read about some more truth, you know, read yeah. from an eyewitness. And I thank you for having me on, short as oh, the welcome. time was. And sounded like a great show. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. And my next show, I think I'm going to do something on Frida Utley then. I'm going to do some research on it. And uh, the names here, I wrote great. them down right here and uh, pull it up and uh, do something on it. Uh, Sarge, you want to say something else real quick? we got a, little bit, a couple minutes left. Oh, nothing else other than what I've already said. Although I might like to ask Eddie one day if he'd care to speak about the schism in the Nazi party between the Strasser brothers, Gregor and Otto, and uh, Adolf Hitler and the rest of the Nazi party. I'd be interested to hear his take hmm. on that. I've got no problem talking about that on a later time and date, and I'm I'm going to say it real simple, Joe. Get off that fucking kosher plan, bro. Because if you're doing the, <laughs> if you're doing the. If you're doing the three-hour shows, right, if you're doing the yep. three hours, say you hit your three-minute marker. Well, you can keep yep. going. It's not going to cut you yeah. off and say thank you for they, using Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, they do that to me. I, I got the red clock. You another on. hour. I know. Well, I know, but I got the red. Yeah, they use – sometimes they they have in the past, but uh, other time, if I start like 15 minutes earlier than I'm supposed to – Eddie, you know what I'm talking about. I log in earlier. Oh, yeah. And it, it knocks me off 45 minutes for some reason. I can only get like 15 minutes extra at the end. I don't know why. 
So, but can uh, I ask yeah, a man. question? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the gentleman that was before me, you know, I don't think the Jews are the real Jews. I don't think they're the original Hebrews. I think that has been one big lie. Uh, do you have an opinion on that? I know we don't have a lot of time. Sure. Do you think I'm right? Uh, I, I, I will tell you from what I've been able to find, I, I would believe that you are uh, wrong in that regard uh, because okay. there's Christian identity preaches that the Jews are not one of the 13 tribes of Israel, uh, which makes up the 13 stars of the European flag. However, Christian identity preaches that we are the, the original Israelis, Hebrews. which makes us the original Jews. And if we're God's chosen people, why are we so fucked as a race? I, I can't fathom it. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, I have I a discussion on that, but that can be wait. Uh, I can wait till another time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. I just like wondered what you one. thought, and thank you. Well, thank you for asking, though. <laughs> Not a problem. All right, everybody, they're going to cut me off anyway. So, uh, hey, thank you for tuning in tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, God bless the Republic. Take care. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.